Hello and welcome to an episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, discussing kitch- kitchen gadgets and cooking projects. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. EA ceases the development of Anthem, unsurprisingly. Plans for Dragon Age 4's multiplayer have reportedly been canceled. Google's Stadia launch troubles are detailed in a new report. Activision warns a standard 500 gigabyte PS4 may no longer fit Call of Duty Warzone, Black Ops, Cold War, and Modern Warfare. We will have a community corner with an article provided to us by Jim this week, how I cut GTA online loading times by 70%. And if time allows, we will have a Steam Discovery queue. We're getting a very late start tonight. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. I say as if we haven't been talking for 45 to 50 minutes. Well, we need to build back up our freaking content because, yeah, we've had a, several of them lately. That's true. And we had a, we got a, a good one. We, ha- we had some wholesome, actual wholesome, like, conversations about health and, and nutrition and cooking and just being good to people. Yeah, so time to go be deviants. Yeah, time to go be deviants. Little deviants. Um, yeah, I don't... I mean, I did all all of my, like, sort of, I think, rambling talking, other than this rambling bit right now, before we started recording, because we had such a good just conversation. I'm glad Craig mm-hmm. caught that, so... I mean, Craig, please don't break, but if you are going to break, I mean, you got what we needed for Franken content, so you could break. Uh, don't give him permission. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I mean, I guess we can just dive right in, unless you have something uh, other than what games you've been playing this week. Uh, not really, outside of uh, prepping to do some uh, controller surgery, because my controller is getting old. It's, I've had it for, what, three years now? Some change? So, uh, battery starting to, uh, uh, go out. So, uh, going to perform some surgery uh, in the next couple of days. Thankfully not as major as, you know, building a damn new fucking computer, but, oh, this is going to be fun, right? Woo. Surgery. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. And the thing is, I don't know which model of, uh, PlayStation four controller I have. So, you know, I got to crack it open, look at a couple of things, then order parts. Fun. right? I, I believe in you. You'll be able to do it. I mean, it doesn't look that difficult. It does actually sound like fun. I need to do some very minor controller surgery. I need to pry mine apart and clean it to see if that will fix my button issues before I need to replace a whole kit. Well, or the, I you know, buy a whole I, I, kit to replace all the buttons and everything. Well, the way the the controller it's kind of uh, in halves, so the battery and the ribbon cable that goes to uh, the uh, charging port is on the back half of the controller, and then the motherboard is screwed into the front half uh, with all the buttons. And I'm not going to mess with that. I, all I need to do is I need to swap out a small circuit board that has that has the module for the LED for the light bar and the charging port, and swap out the battery. But they changed the battery in 2016 around the time I got this. Uh, change the size of the plug on it so the old ones don't work on the new ones. 
and they've done like five, four, five different revisions on that circuit board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it'd be, you know, a 25% chance at best to try to just randomly guess which circuit board I have. So now I'll just crack it open first. Right. So, uh, so it's so, an exploratory yeah. surgery. Yeah. Exploratory open controller surgery. And then I'm going to order parts. Yeah. But on the plus side, uh, since my controller will be uh, cracked open and unusable, I'll have an excuse to not play this huge piece of shit that I played last week. Yeah, you messaged me about this. I'm looking forward to... I mean, I guess I might have heard all the stuff because we talked about it uh, Sunday night. I bet, yeah. It's Dirt 5. So both of my games were Game Pass games this past week. Uh, And this is two of three racing games I played in the last couple weeks. Uh, not counting going back to Forza again. I've been on kind of a racing uh, kick, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dirt 5 is one of those games that I have have a pretty long history with the Dirt series. Uh, and I had some issues with Dirt 4, but you know, it was still a decent game. Let's put it this way. On my uh, Steam library, I have Dirt 2, Dirt 3, Dirt 4, Dirt Rally, Dirt Showdown. And People consider Dirt Showdown the worst of the series. Until now, at least in my opinion, Dirt 5 basically takes all the things that annoyed me in Dirt 4, turned them up to 11, and then removed any redeeming qualities. And this is a very, 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 very strong candidate for Drop It Like a Hot Rock. It's going to take something truly abysmal or grotesque to beat Dirt 5. It is Barring shitty mobile games, the worst racing game I have ever played. And I've played a fuck ton of racing games over the years. It is worse than Flat Out 3. There, there. It's okay. You're safe now. Should I tell you how I really feel? Please, tell me how okay, you really so, feel. So, I'm a dirt racer. I like off-road racing. I like my rally games. And... Whatever you're racing on dirt, on gravel, there's a certain feel that a car has to have. You know, this kind of edge of control whenever you're uh, driving around. And Dirt 5 just does not have it. It is boring. With all the assists turned off, there's still this very strong uh, force that the, uh, that the game puts on your car. That it is literally impossible for your car to spin out. You could Gran Turismo... Uh, 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 and I know you, invoking a simulator game is kind of <laughs> ironic. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, in- but, doesn't but, but this is but this is a PlayStation One era Gran Turismo where uh, they didn't really punish you for uh, bouncing off walls like a pinball uh, uh, in a pinball machine. You could bounce around the courses at full speed, and I use the term speed here very loosely because it did not feel like. It did not convey us any sense of speed whatsoever. Uh, it just, everything felt sluggish. It felt like you were stuck to the track almost as much as the uh, AI racers who were stuck to the track even more somehow. You mm-hmm. could ram them full speed and they would just, you know, have not a care in the world about it. Uh, the, they had this whole very, very annoying podcast framework for the career mode that was overdone it was 
gag-inducing. And I know the Dirt series has been annoying about this before, but this was even worse. <laughs> Somehow, right? Yeah. Oh, and they completely removed rally mode entirely. No rally uh, racing in a dirt game. Uh, they had five modes. Jim Connor, Trailblazers, uh, Rally Cross, which is just the dirt racing and tar- tarmac. Uh, they had uh, essentially dirt racing. Now I keep, I'm blanking on the fifth one, but it was not rally. And I was worried with Dirt 4 because they went with this procedural generation on their rally courses. So that it felt like, uh, yeah, there was no uh, soul to the racetracks. You know, it was, it, you know how uh, bad procedural generation feels where it just feels, everything feels so samey because it's using these chunks that you see over and over again. Mm-hmm. I was worried about that one. And this one was even worse. Now, to be fair, I did not pay any attention to the hype or you know, what they were talking about before it came out. I actually wasn't even sure it had came out yet. I had just not paid attention to it because I had other things on my mind. And it's just, ugh. I I lasted a whole two races. Uh, Blew away the competition and just realized that it was not going to get any better. And I just, I started looking for uh, the different uh, race modes. It was just the same handful of race modes in the same locations over and over and over again. And I just uninstalled it. I played this free with Game Pass. And, uh, well, my review on there says it all. One star is far too generous for this piece of shit. Well, okay, I didn't say piece of shit because that would get it pulled, but, right? Right. Nice, though. Nice in, yeah. in terms of, like, your your review. Yeah, the, the, the fact that you couldn't turn off all the driving assists, so it didn't... It didn't have a, a dirt racing feel to it. And the fact, even though I don't drive with a wheel, uh, they do not even have full wheel support yet. They they actually launched the game, supposedly, without any wheel support, which is just a head-scratcher to me. Yeah. And very limited uh, controller customizations. It's just horrible. If you want uh, all style and no substance, and uh, you got tired of Cyberpunk, well, here you go, right? <laughs> if you wanted that in a racing game, there you I mean, go. that's pretty much it because it's a bunch of explosions. It's a bunch of uh, loud noises. It's a bunch of annoying people and uh, AI that uh, is, uh, you know, borderline broken. So should we go on to an actually good racing game? Yeah, let's go on to an actually good racing game. Both of us played this one over the weekend and I'm going to play it. I mean, we're both going to play it single player some more and come back and play it again together. Yeah, um, we played I, yeah I'm at the end of the second tier of uh, career mode. So, Wreckfest, this is uh, from the same developers that did the first two flat-out games. Uh, you may also know it as Next Car Game, before they uh, settled the name Wreckfest. And this basically does everything that Dirt 5 was trying to do, only it does it so much better. And it doesn't have the over-the-top, uh, cringy feel to it as well. So Yeah, it's definitely over-the-top, but in a good way. Yeah, so Wreckfest, it, it feels like those kind of, uh, those, those backwoods dirt races that you hear about or, or, or see on, uh, like, 
uh, ESPN the Ocho, right? <laughs> ESPN eight the Ocho. Uh, yo, know, just the wacky stuff. You know, uh, figure eight racing. Uh, people driving school buses in races, that sort of thing. Driving that's, a school bus through a loop de loop. Yeah, that's what this game is. But it also has uh, soft body physics for the cars for uh, uh, car damage. It has actually really good car physics just in general uh, to the point where uh, you can feel the car start to slip if you're taking a uh, a turn too fast, which I know it sounds, yeah, that should be the very basic thing, but it's more how the car responds to it. Uh, Seeing the suspension start to lift up and depending on how damaged your car is and yeah, how deformed the body might be uh, that also uh, impacts it because it could bend your frame to throw your alignment out. So it makes things a lot more interesting. It's not full on like a uh, beam NG, which I still need to check out at some point uh, beyond the demo that I played years and years and years ago now. Uh, but it brings a lot more to the game than uh, what uh, Dirt 5 did. And on top of that, the AI kind of hit this sweet spot. Uh, Dirt 5 had it where basically the AI completely ignored you. But this one, because a lot of the races are built around, you know, kind of semi-dirty racing, both as in on dark tracks, but also, you know, not completely legitimate racing. Uh, the AI will also, you know, try to mess with you. But not to the point where it feels like all the AI is out to get the human player. You'll see them fighting with one another. You'll see random crashes because one spun out another one, or one took a turn slightly too fast, and uh, uh, and their car was too damaged. And it felt dynamic enough that it felt realistic in this kind of over the top way. Yeah, um, it, it gets you. Kind of mentioned, or you you mentioned this a minute ago, but I do want to come back and focus on the car physics. Like as someone who loves simulator games and who plays, you know, Forza and and Gran Turismo and um, who has played beam and who does play like, you know, all of these games and who turns the simulator difficulty or the, the, all the sim options on, um, you know, for his car fit, you know, and all that jazz, like this game does a really good job. We were, um, just kind of hanging out because for the multiplayer, we'll talk about that in a minute. But like, I didn't have yeah, a lot the, of cars. Yeah, the multiplayer is kind of the the downside of it if you're just starting out. Yeah, because I didn't have a lot of cars, so you know, I was doing some single player stuff, and we were talking. And at one point, I was like, "Huh, I'm just like holding like a very steady, continual drift, um, going around and around. Like, it was like a big mud." Uh, mud circuit and demolition derby and i was kind of sticking to the outskirts looking for moments to go in and you know do some damage to cars and then pop back out and i was just doing a fairly steady continual drift and i'm like this feels really good this feels like playing you know like my skills from playing these sim games uh, have transferred over pretty much immediately and the car is doing what i expect it to because my brain kind of operates in sim mode i actually really struggle with most arcade games unless they're like you know, Mario Kart or something where it's extremely over the top, like arcade wacky racing. But I, I do struggle with sort of your um, midnight clubs and your uh, uh, 
Oh my goodness! I'm suddenly drawing a brain. The, the EA ones. Uh, need for Speed. Need for Speed. Yeah, I kind of struggle at this point with Need for Speed and um, Midnight Club and even Forza Horizon a little bit. I, I got used to it. You know, I played it enough. I got used to it. But you know, I kind of struggled to break into those games. And just like right away, I was like, okay, like I, I got this because I went and I turned all of the driver aids off like traction control and stability control and stuff and the only yeah, one i don't turn it all the way off i went to half for mine i turned all of mine off except for abs i i did turn that off and i was like now nah, i'm gonna turn that back on <laughs> abs is really important especially when you're doing a lot of off-road racing because my tendency is to just slam on the brakes and i mean abs is is you know a realistic thing that that works and that is in most of these vehicles so it's, a, it's a specific circuit that doesn't allow it or race type that doesn't allow it. So I went and put that back in and it it just, it, it it all works really well. You can tell a difference between tarmac and mud and gravel. Um, And if you get, there's also this sort of transition phase in between them as well. Mm -hmm. And you can also tell a difference based on the different cars or, or well vehicles rather and they're not all cars, but the different vehicles that you drive, um, the combine harvester feels very different and very weighty and in, in the way that it moves around and kind of lumbers around a, a, a track to a bus, which is still like a big lumbering vehicle. And, and it, yes, uh, yes, he did say combine harvester, by the way. Yes. Uh, to, to the bus, which is like a big lumbering vehicle down to a lawnmower, which is tiny and, but, uh, you know, kind of and kind of drifty. <laughs> drifty and terrifying to drive at 70 miles an hour like they did a really good job capturing the sense of speed um and so you know 70 miles an hour doesn't feel super fast in most of the regular cars but you drive the lawnmower and it's like whoa warp speed it's great (laughs) so they did an excellent job with with physics gameplay and the thing is that 80 miles an hour feels different in all the different cars as well yeah um uh what's what's their like I, I don't know, like seasonal thing. Uh, the tournament mode. Yeah, tournament uh, mode. It has uh, multiplayer challenges, but also single player, uh, very specific challenges. Like uh, the one I played earlier today was uh, figure eight race uh, against 24 opponents. And it was like eight laps, which is crazy for that type of race. And figure eight means the racetrack is a figure eight as in there's a cross road in between and you have to try to survive and actually win the race and the, and getting a a gold trophy and getting in this case, first place, or uh, if it's a demolition derby, getting so many points uh, gives you fame, which unlocks fame cars that you could use in other places. And one of them is a bus that has a snowplow on the front of it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. There's a different combine harvester. There's a, this big rig. There's also some paint jobs that you could get that's cheaper uh, than uh, the cars themselves, but they're uh, tied to a, to a particular car. Uh, but yeah, it's just they have a lot of content here for uh, what it is. And a lot of the races are really over the top, too. Not all of them are. There are, you know, very standard, you know, just dirt track racing but then you have like bone breaker valley that is this dog bone shaped racetrack where with two uh essentially loops on the end of it and 
a, a lap is go around the loop, uh, take a jump, go down the dog bone, go around the loops on that end, or one of the loops on that end, go back down, and that's one lap. But the thing is that as the pack starts to spread out, you start running into oncoming traffic. Which is awesome. Yeah, it is so much fun. Yeah, this is an and, excellent game for single player. Yeah, and the thing is that uh, all the stuff that you do, even if it's just, you know, they also really simplify, uh, you know, simplifies you to actually play through a race, even though you're going to lose because you still get progression. So you'll have bonus objectives. You may get a raffle if you hit someone hard enough, uh, enough times. And you get bonus points that gives extra experience to level up your uh, driver or your driver profile to be able to uh, get more cars, that sort of thing. Or just uh, be able to buy better unlocks. There's armor that you can get for demolition derbies, uh, even though you could run it in normal racing as well. And some of the races are more uh, hard on a car than others. Like Bonebreaker Valley is one. The Death Loop would be another one, uh, which is like, you know, if Hot Wheels for, uh, gave up on making uh, cars or making toy cars and decided to make racetracks. Yeah. Uh, but you did bring up multiplayer, and that is kind of the uh, sting on this one. So I think multiplayer is is overall, once you've played a while, going to be really good. Like you can create your own. You're, basically, you just you you host a, a private server. You can change a bunch of different rules from tracks to cars to other, you know, a bun- bunch of other settings. Um, and it seems like all the tracks and modes are available right off the start. But everyone, at, at least with the two of us, has to have the same vehicles unlocked. Like, it, there's cars that you can get from, like, a little rental garage. So I'm thinking that maybe with certain options, those cars work with no issues. But we were trying to do, like, some silly stuff, like couch cars on, I forget which track it was, but Deathloop maybe. But, you know, and, and yeah, or no, sofa cars. And yes, you heard me correctly, sofa cars. <laughs> uh but it, for some reason, it wouldn't let us do it. And we think it's because I didn't actually have the sofa car unlocked. And in mm-hmm. order to set the AI, like to set the AI to everyone using the same car so that we guaranteed that they had sofa cars, was it wouldn't let us do that because I didn't have the sofa car unlocked. I was going to be using like the garage rental because we could set AI and they would show up and use different vehicles when we use some of the other options, like to just make them stick to a specific like performance class or something. Um, and it worked for you when you hosted the server, like the mm-hmm. AI would stick around, but then it wouldn't let me ready up because I didn't have the car unlocked. So yeah. that's best guess. You have to have vehicles unlocked. And the only way to get those is, well, I mean, you, you know, you unlock progression for everything that you do, but the only way to get some of the specific vehicles is to complete the single player or just buy them out. There are some that you could just buy out if you've gotten enough progression because right. you also are constantly getting money as well. Yeah, but um, uh, it, that problem doesn't exist in like purely single player because you can go to like their free play mode and not all of the vehicles, but many of the vehicles are just available for you to use. You don't have to have them unlocked and you do get the progression for everything that you do. So whether you're doing the career mode or just screwing around in the, um, you know, sort of the free play, you still get money, you still get driver experience. 
Um, and so you still make progress. You don't ever feel like you're just wasting your time because everything that you do counts. Um, just to, it seems like to unlock some of the stuff for free, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. you, uh, you, you need to complete the career mode. Races. Although, like you said, some of the cars are tied to particular events in the career mode. Like the sofa cars, you have to win a particular race in the first tier of uh, the career mode. But the thing is that you're not required to set at the, at a particular difficulty level. If you want, you could just drop the difficulty level and make it a lot easier on yourself. But there's so much chaos that, honestly, uh, to me, it's a lot more fun having the maximum number of uh, cars and just, you know, uh, and also the fact that it's 24 cars on the field, including yours. It just, uh, it hits a a nice sweet spot on just how crazy it gets without it feeling too much. Yeah. Uh, Especially whenever you have a track that has this, has a really big uh, crossroad. Like one of my favorite things, uh, at least starting off was, one of the figure eight tracks with school buses. And it just became like a junkyard in the middle after like two laps. And you just see someone get plowed into doing like, you know, 50. Yeah. And in real life, you know, it'd be like, well, that guy's dead. (laughs) Yeah. And on the sofa cars, if you hit someone hard enough, they'll go flying off and then, yeah, maybe get run over. Or on the, uh, the lawnmowers that happens as well. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the first races you could do is a is a demolition derby on lawnmowers uh, in the career mode. Yeah, so yeah, Wreckfest, good game, enjoy it. Would recommend. We used the Steam link uh, or the Steam store page link, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, we we both played it through Game Pass. Mm-hmm. It is on sale on Steam though, and it's very tempting, especially with uh, the DLC on sale as well. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I might at some point. I don't think I'm gonna buy it now. I got yeah. some other games that my my sites are on for more recent or, or more sort of upcoming purchases. Um, and with it being on Game Pass, you know, I'm just gonna play it through there at least for now. But yeah, uh, yeah right now it's. Uh, I'm kind of going through my backlog and do uh, playing stuff that either I couldn't or uh, was hesitant to just because you know old computer. Yeah. Oh, but it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> and we'll see if I'm able to talk about my other racing game uh, next week because I've only really just started playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I'm going to be dis- disassembling my controller, uh, we'll see if I'm able to talk about it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I had one other game that I played this week um, that wasn't the Game Club uh, Far Cry 3. Um, which was Defense Grid The Awakening. I think a long time ago I talked about this on the show, but it's definitely... I, I talked about it. When did you talk about it? Ages ago, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I played this one. It's a pretty good uh, tower defense, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, defense Grid The Awakening came out uh, eight-ish years ago. I don't know exactly, but a, like quite a long time ago. And I don't, I don't know if, if this statement is actually true, but it's the first sort of, uh, oh, oh God, it came out in 2008. So 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago, 13 years ago, well, 12, right? because, because December, oh, December. So yeah, it, but it's the first sort of 
tower defense game that I remember like being big. Like they existed before then. Like definitely like flash, you know, flash yeah. games, quite a few flash tower defense games. I can, you know, have some fond memories of playing them in, you know, computer classes in high school instead of doing my work or whatever. But um I as far as I know, Defense Grid was like sort of the first like big one. I remember well, it being on well, Xbox. It's because they did something a bit different with it and actually put a story into it instead of just random levels. Yeah, but I, I remember it being on Xbox on the Xbox Live Arcade way back in the day, and then um, that that's where I played it initially. And it's been on PC. It's been on, I think, just about every like PC you know platform where you can buy digital games from. Um, I think it had like a PC based disc version, and, and I've played through Defense Grid: The Awakening a couple of times in the past. Um, and it was one of the free giveaways on the Epic Store sometime late last year i think it might have actually been part of like their christmas deal where they were doing like a giveaway like every one to two days and i was just sitting on the couch in in my living room um you know browsing through games thinking about what to play while my kid was playing minecraft and um this popped up and i was like you know what defense grid would be good and it still holds up really well um i mean because of the simple clean nature of the art style and then the fact that it's a tower defense game, so you're, you know the camera's pulled back. Um, everything still looks really good. It controls a little wonky, and for a game that's you know twelve years old, I'll give it some grace on that. Um, and I think it might have actually originally been designed for consoles. I don't know that for sure, but um, you know, like I said, Xbox Live Arcade was the first place I ever saw it, and so um, it, it does feel like even when you're kind of moving the mouse around and stuff, it does feel like it's kind of emulating like a, a controller joystick, the way that it moves around um, and interacts with the menus and stuff. But um, that's a very small niggle that by the end of the second like tutorial mission, um, you know, it wasn't bothering me anymore. And um, it's just a solid, well-balanced, down-to-earth like tower defense game. And, and you're right, it does have a story. Um, the aliens that you're building the towers to defend the cores from had attacked before. Um, and the hum- uh, humans had beat them back and you've got this guy who's like your AI sort of teacher and companion. And he was like a great general in the last war. And he teaches you all about, all about the stuff, the towers and what they do and how to, and how he misses his strawberries and how he misses his strawberries and misses friends and like his, his, his wife. Um, it's, it's got some really sad, somber moments at times but it also tries to do some humor um that didn't really super land with me um it's not like it's uh referential that you know doesn't make sense anymore because the game is old it's just like a a couple of puns and stuff that really aren't that great um but it's trying the game is genuinely trying um and it's a lot of fun the the what i was playing from the epic store has the the expansion or dlc or whatever for the the portal one yeah yeah, it's got like a second campaign and then a bunch of like community created content, which I haven't really checked into at all yet. I'm still playing through the main campaign. I'm on mission like eight or nine. Um, the game is has really the last few levels is really opening up in terms of like, all right, you place down the towers to build the lanes, um, which I both kind of like, but also dislike because I, I very much like to optimize a route that's been created. And occasionally you, the AI is kind of uh, the, the pathing AI, whenever you're creating the lanes is kind of dopey. 
and it'll be like, no, there's an open path right there. And you're getting the mission, the message. It's like the AI can't find a free path. So it's just going to march through all of your towers, uh, fix your lanes to make them follow it. And it's like, no, but there's a path right there. So sometimes it gets a little, a little weird with that kind of stuff. But overall, I mean, it's, it's a solid gameplay experience. If you like tower defense games, there was a sequel, which I have played, but um, uh, I don't think I own it on Steam. I own it somewhere, and, and I have played it, and I remember it being good, but I didn't beat the sequel. Um, so it, they, it goes on sale regularly for like a dollar or two. If you've never played Defense Grid, The Awakening, and um, you know your, your tastes tend to line up, line up with mine, it's a pretty solid game. Um, I like it a lot. So, yeah. Um, okay, I do own Defense Grid 2 on Steam. Maybe I should go back and play through that and beat it. Uh, but, I mean, Defense Grid The Awakening right now is 10 bucks. Uh, it regularly goes on sale for a couple, you know, a dollar or two. Um, and then Defense Grid 2 is like 15 bucks right now. And it, it also pretty regularly goes on sale, although I don't know. I, could, I guess I could go look at it. It's historic low, but it, it also gets pretty cheap. Because um, I think Defense Grid 2 is still several years old. Um just going to look real quick before I stop talking about this. Defense Grid 2 released in 2014. So, Yeah, uh, what other games have they put out? Uh, uh, Age of Empires. They did the HD uh, uh, remake of it. Yep. And, uh, well, Counter-Strike <laughs> Go, right? Yeah, Counter-Strike Go. Uh, is that it? I mean, I say that as if, like, <laughs> Counter-Strike Go. Uh, obviously, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Are they actually the the developers of it, or are uh, they... it looks like they're the third party? Okay, cool. Well, hey, great for them. Counter Strike. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they were the th- uh, third party developer of uh, Counter Strike Go. Nice. Or they were brought in uh, to Valve for it because you know, they don't have a ton on here. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I just said, great for them. Um, that's a huge deal. Counter Strike Go. That's it. The first two are kind of tied, but one leads to the other. So we're going to start at this point. Yeah, I went over to check out the Anthem subreddit and there were lots of people who were mad and like several people who had made like, you know, being in denial posts of like, no, Anthem is doing so great. They've been like doing all these really good things. It's like, oh, sweetie. Yeah, I I had I didn't even think to check at the subreddit. Uh. Yeah, there's right now, a, there's a lot of denial. Right now, several of the top posts are like, boycott Bioware and EA games. There's quite a few posts about that. Oh, and people saying goodbye to the game. I mean, it's not shutting down. Here's the thing. I said, it's essentially a maintenance mode. Yeah. Uh, uh, last year, they announced that they would be doing Anthem Next, which would be essentially a complete remake of the game from the ground up. Uh, and they were taking a look at how feasible it was with essentially a skeleton crew. And according to the post, in order to make it feasible to make, they'd have to triple the size of their development team uh, to get it out in a timely manner. And this is on top of COVID, which COVID did not kill this game. Bioware and EA's shitty choices killed this game before it even had a chance. Yeah, uh, COVID is just a convenient excuse at this point. How long uh, do you think it's going to be before they shut the servers down? I can't give that one because it really depends on just how much money they're making on microtransactions or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, is funding the servers. 
I'd say I'd give it a year or two. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, a year, year-ish, maybe a little north of that. Unless there's some kind of like weird player revival, I don't, I don't expect it to make it two full years. Yeah, and I, I do like there's some uh, realism on this subreddit as well. This wasn't EA's fault. They gave uh, Bioware Cars Blanche uh, developing Anthem. Bioware messed up by relying on Bioware Magic, which is essentially, you know, hoping to cobble together on the bus on the way. <laughs> out. I mean, that's partly true, but that's someone who either is oversimplifying as well. Yeah. But either they're because, missing or they yeah. really like EA. Yeah. Part of it is uh, an exec coming in and seeing essentially a tech demo of the Iron Man suit flying mechanic that they put into the game. And decided that had to be the game. And they supposedly did a complete retool a year or two before it was released. Which sounds like a long time, but it's not. Especially for a big game development. And games as a service. Like Anthem was supposed to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about this. I mean, you're the one that played Anthem. I hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I said this before then, and I'll give like a little, you know, sort of uh, retro review on it or whatever. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the game for what it was. I, I didn't, like, I had no grand expectations of this ever living up to the design that they set for it. But I, I played one of the demos or beta or whatever they wanted. I know you brought in uh, on a month of EA Play or something, if yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah, so I was like, you know, I, I really love the sort of the gameplay mechanics, the the Iron Man suits. I'm I'm okay with a generic story. I'd like to see what they do with it. I don't expect it to be like massively successful or mind blowing. And because of their EA play service, I'll just like get a month of that, which was like uh ten or twelve bucks, something like that. And I was like, I'll I'll play through it in a month. I doubt it'll even last that long for me. I'll play it start to finish the single player story portion and, you know, then leave the looter shooter aspect behind and then probably never play it again. And that's exactly what I did. And I got what I expected out of it. A mediocre sci-fi story with some really cool gameplay and mechanics that by the time I finished the single player portion of the story was like the right place to end it um, with what I had wanted. And I really enjoyed that experience out of it, but Never like I'm pretty sure I said then like yeah they sort of end the game on a cliffhanger and I'm like that's really you know that's really dangerous because this game is having so many problems and they I don't think they ever even released that story I don't think it ever even got the first like release uh you know in the story yeah the uh, the roadmap <laughs> yeah so you know like I I I enjoyed it the way that I played it and I you know don't really think too much about it otherwise like i don't feel like i wasted my time i don't feel like you know they owe me my money back or whatever i got exactly what i expected out of it you know like a 20 to 30 hour sort of rpg experience with iron man suits i'm trying to find out exactly what they released but it doesn't look like they released a lot i think they actually no no correction it looks like uh, they released all of Act One because I, I remember reading about the Cataclysm uh, being, you know, the first time that they actually had something dynamic going on in the world, and that's the end of Act One of three acts that they had planned on the roadmap. 
I'm just double checking. So it did get some post-release content, but it was not that much. And if I recall correctly, it was very underwhelming and not what they promised. Yeah, much like the base game. Yeah. The thing that I remember most from the post-launch stuff was that they did something and it broke the loot mechanics, but in breaking it, it actually made them better because people Mm -hmm. were actually starting to get good drops at a good rate. And then they fixed what they broke and the community rebelled. And it was like a second, uh, like it shed a bunch of its players right off the bat because they were like, Oh, this is terrible. This isn't what you promised. What, you know, buying into the hype. And they lost a second group of players after EA fixed what they broke, but made the game worse again. So that's that's the thing I remember most about the post-launch content for, for Anthem. Yeah, I, I'm trying to recall, was Anthem the one that uh, they were not allowed to look at any other looter shooters? Or was it the original Destiny? Honestly, uh, the sci-fi looter shooters kind of blew together after a while. It was Destiny. They were told to not... Okay use destiny as inspiration or to copy it or something like that. No, no, I can't remember if it was destiny's development, the original destiny destiny, or if it was Anthem's development that they were told not to use other games as inspiration. That had to be all completely new. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I remember it was one of the two and I can't remember which. Um, I feel like that was probably destiny. Although who the fuck knows? They're all so, Uh, yeah, yeah, these uh, that's the problem with looter shooters, just kind of in general, is that all of them are some degree of broken on launch and some degree of boring on launch, and they require so much work after the fact. Yeah. And uh, that's probably the reason why uh, uh, Borderlands works as well as it does is because, one, there, it doesn't really have a competitive element and it relies on humor more than anything, even though humor in that game is kind of, haha, remember that meme from like three years ago when development was active on this game? Well, here you are, right? Yep. And here's another uh, meme that you uh, might remember from five years ago. And here's Claptrap. He's going to be annoying again. <laughs> I'm dancing. I'm dancing. Uh, but it gives enough room to... Uh, have fun with your friends, and it has enough uh, wacky stuff going on. Yeah. And Destiny and uh, Anthem, and hell, I'll throw Warframe in there, and yeah, pretty much all the main looter shooters. Uh, uh, the Division is another one. They all take it very seriously. So yeah, that takes one point out of the arsenal already. Uh, there's at least some sort of competitive uh, action going on even though in some of these games, the PVP is just dead. <laughs> if not dead on arrival, pretty close to it. I don't think I've ever seen anyone talk about the PVP in Warframe. I know it's there, but I don't think anybody ever seriously does it outside of you know, a handful of hardcore people. Yeah. And it's just, whenever you're taking a, a, that additional note that you could uh, use uh, to throw in some fun, it relies more and more on the actual gameplay. And it's just can be so dull if you don't nail it. And Anthem, well, they tried to rely on Iron Man and you can only Iron Man so much in 
a world where you have to collect a bunch of bear asses from across the uh, world or get this was also the game that hit that weird uh, progression block. I know you got to play it after the fact, after they fixed it, quote unquote. Remember, it was uh, having to find uh, some uh, do so many achievements, essentially. Oh, yeah. There were like it, it was like the four trials or something like that, a quest. And it was artificial like content gating that made you go and do in-game achievements in order to quote unquote prove yourself and unlock the next portion of the quest. And there were like some, three, some video game logic. Yeah, there were like three or four trials, and it was like use the whatever javelin to complete these number of random map things. And it was like they by the time I got to that portion, they had cut that way down. Um, the amount of stuff that you had to do. So it was still an artificial gate, but it was only I don't know, three, two to three hours of, of content gating versus originally it was 10 to 12 hours worth of just like essentially achievement grinding to unlock the next part of the quest. I forgot all about that. Okay, so it was open 15 treasure chests. And when this originally launched, it didn't start counting until after you started this quest, by the way. Maybe that's because what made course. it so long. Yeah. But, uh, at least I... After I completed yeah, the okay. trial was the yeah, one time 15 uh, tr- uh uh treasure chest which uh could be located anywhere um collect 25 resources repair three javelins and find 10 collectibles which if you've been finding them already well right yeah so i uh yeah after i completed the trials was the only time i had to redo something cuz there's like a you complete the trials and like it unlocks like a, I guess like a vision quest thing. And I did the whole thing and something went wrong. Uh, the game crashed or I got desynced or something from the server because even when you're playing single player, of course, it's an always online game, live service bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did not save my progress. And it was like two hours, not two hours, like an hour for this really long drawn out quest that I had to redo. I took a break before I went back and redid it. I was I was very frustrated. But uh, anyways, enough from reminiscing about that. You can <laughs> call it reminiscing. Uh, the sort of the part two, uh, more like remigrissing. <laughs> sort of the part two of this. Um, plans for Dragon Age 4's multiplayer reportedly canceled. So the big speculation. I don't think this has been confirmed anywhere yet, but the big speculation is saying that uh, the forced multiplayer mode or forced multiplayer whatever for the next Dragon Age game has been canceled following the um, decision to put Anthem and Maintenance. Yeah, this is from uh, Bloomberg, uh, Jason uh, Schreier. Jason Schreier. Yeah, Schreier, sorry. Uh, Who has had a pretty good track record on uh, investigative journalism. Yeah one of the few actual investigative journalists in the gaming industry. Yeah, apparently, and this is directly from the article, Dragon Age 4 was going to have a heavy multiplayer component, although no specifics were uh, mentioned. Odds are it would have uh, probably included a similar co-op play to what we saw in Inquisition at the minimum. However, it looks like EA might have uh, been a little bit more gun-shy about taking on multiplayer, uh, tacking on multiplayer, sorry, to a game that doesn't really need it after Anthem. Yeah, so just to add some context to that, because I played Dragon Age Inquisition, um, the multiplayer mode was a 
semi-optional multiplayer mode. It wasn't forced to engage in it through the story. But of course, like you got gear and items and money um, by participating in this mode. And they were, of course, all loot boxes. Like this was um, in the early days of, of loot box stuff um, and developers still trying to figure out how to use it uh, to steal the most money from people and get them into crippling gambling addictions. So I, I want to say that it was actually fairly generous as far as loot box models go, but it was still a loot box model. Um, but, but I mean, that's what it was. It was up to four player co-op and you basically did dungeon runs with your uh, with like predefined characters like you could customize them a bit but you could not bring your single player character into the multiplayer um it was pretty much an exact copy i, I don't know if you know about this or not rage but for anyone who's listening it was pretty much a a, a dragon age themed copy of the multiplayer mode added to mass effect 3 and then sort of refined in andromeda um doing like pve missions uh you know completing objectives and then sort of the dragon age spin was it was like they were most they were mostly like dungeon runs so you know go into a dungeon kill the boss explore all the stuff solve the puzzle and leave and you get your you know your loot which literally was a loot box that you opened um and they had a whole premium currency and you could buy like better loot boxes at the end of a run and stuff like that like that's that's what the multiplayer component was, but it was semi-optional in the sense of like you weren't required to do it for the single-player campaign. But if you dabbled a little bit, you could get you know better gear earlier than than the single-player progression. So that's yeah, just just for context for for you and then everyone listening right now, like you know sort of what Jason Trier's talking about. Yeah, anyway. but it also seems like they were trying to push a more MMO light. Uh, angle on it if I'm reading this right where it's more of a games as a service thing that they were wanting to do yeah and now yeah and Inquisition had pushed pretty far down the MMO feel which I kind of liked but you know I totally get people not liking that in a Dragon Age game because it went from being a much more well I guess well the the first one I still think it was the best one uh, it had uh, a pseudo CRPG feel to it with the yeah. tactical uh, uh, tactical uh, combat with balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, to be fair, I played it on PC, and it seems like on consoles, it was played uh, more as a third-person uh, RPG. Yes and no. I mean, it played exactly like how KOTOR did on console. Um, yeah, see, and... Uh, in PC, they had the tactical view that I use pretty much exclusively. Yeah, which that's what Dragon Age Inquisition had, um, but it was on the console versions as well because I, I played it on Xbox One uh, five or six years ago. Um, but it, yeah, it was it was um, you know it had a semi CRPG tactical uh, issuing of orders with pause, but. The the way that the game or the I guess quests and things played was much more MMO ish in Dragon Age Inquisition. A lot of quests that were more you know fetch quests and go out and explore the overworld and engage with stuff there because it had the um, the semi open world where you had like various maps that were open to exploration, but it wasn't like one giant open world. And then the occasional much more sort of pared down scene. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you know by all reports. Uh, 
Dragon, the next Dragon Age game was going to be a live service, and they're supposedly, probably, like, I mean, you know, I, I trust that Jason Schreier has got good sources, and eventually this will be revealed to be true, or mostly true, that, uh, yeah, that part's being stripped out of Dragon Age to focus on the market that was already there for a single-player Dragon Age game. Uh, eh, single player games they're dead i mean the, the star wars game was a fluke and you know all these single player games all over the place they're, those are just flukes right yep yep not real not sustainable gotta have infinite money from people which technically by the messed up late stage unrestricted capitalism version of the games industry, like, yeah, technically single player games aren't sustainable because you can't make infinite money off of them, but you can build a good solid reputation for yourself and create and sell uh, games on a regular. Yeah, but basis. yeah, well, well, see, well, well, see, here's the thing is that uh, you can build up your reputation, making single player games and then cash it in later on and release a broken piece of shit. Yeah. CD, a CD project red. I don't know when the last time I bought a game from a, a AAA publisher was. Like, I mean, I have gotten some more recently from, you know, but it's been like through giveaways or whatever. Or um, Game Pass and that sort of thing. Pass. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I bought, you know, I bought Valheim last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, but that's title. indie. Yeah. Yeah, indie title. Um, you know, the last couple of games, like I bought Project Wingman. That's an indie title. Um a bunch of these little indie games that I see in my Steam list. Dyson Sphere Program, that's an indie title. We Were Here Together, we got that last time. That's yeah. an indie title. Yeah, I need to go back to that, but we were racing. Yeah. Um, X, the X-Series, not exactly indie, but definitely not. You know, it's it's in, in that sort of niche or double-A publisher genre. Like, you know, just looking at my Steam list from, like, recently purchased and played games like it's all indie or sort of old school double a development level games i haven't bought a triple a game in forever and it's for it's for this reason like game development companies are are in the business of making infinite money with unsustainable business models and selling or releasing broken pieces of garbage that i'm not willing to pay for and if if they fix it then maybe but that's years down the line so yeah i mean good for them for having a temporary moment of sanity let's see how long it lasts oh that's the episode title temporary moment of sanity <laughs> go up here and, and write that or type it but yeah fuck them i mean i i do want dragon age to be good um i liked dragon age inquisition a lot of people didn't and i totally understand why um I liked Dragon Age Origins. I love Dragon Age Origins. I, I liked Dragon Age 2 okay. Vast departure from the first game. But overall, I, I'm more positive on the series than I am negative on the series. And I, I basically had written Dragon Age 4 off completely because they were going to make it a live service type game or a semi-live ter- service type game or something like that. And I just had wrote it off because I just expect all of these games to fail because they're not infinitely successful mm-hmm. and companies won't keep them going if they're not infinitely, infinitely successful. But if they make it a single player game, um, you know, then I, I'm, I'm a little more hopeful for it. I still definitely am like, wait and see, see how they handle it. But 
that gives me like a tiny glimmer of hope that they might make something decent. And that's okay. all our decent single player games with good yeah. stories and fun characters. Yeah. So uh, what do you give the over under on Marvel's adventures? How long do you think they'll last? Six months. I'm going to give them a year. I think in six months, we're going to hear that they're shutting, you know, that they're doing that. that They're doing an Anthem and then another six months and they'll have completely shut the game down. Or maybe not another six months after that, there might be some type of service contracts that they have to run out. But as soon as that's over, as soon as any contractual obligations are complete, so that there are no more or no legal repercussions. Marvel's Avengers is gone. That game is more dead than Anthem is. <laughs> That's pretty dead. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm still well, I'm on the store page looking and it, it still has that Saturday night live feel to it. Yeah. And that's the problem whenever you deal with characters that have had a cinematic universe that has very set uh, looks and uh, sounds to uh, those particular characters uh, uh, in the general consistency of uh, the population, right? Yeah. Marvel's hot right now, too. Like, not just in the general sense that Marvel, you know, the MCU is hot, but the WandaVision series on Disney Plus is, like, all that, that TV and film critics and pundits are talking about right now because of a lot of the crazy, interesting stuff that it's doing. And if they, you know, if they had a good game, they could properly leverage that. But I've seen nothing, not a single blip connected to WandaVision or, you know, those characters in, you know, of uh, the Avengers game. So, yeah, that game's dead. Which, yeah, which, uh, do you think it's, uh, to jump an- to another uh, popular IP, do you think it's kind of like the, the child? Uh, they were throwing something out and shocked him just how popular it was yeah i think so or sorry i I gotta use the proper name baby yoda well the proper name is actually grogu they gave him an actual name in season two which i think bad idea yeah everyone had gotten connected to that character as baby yoda and like you call him the child in the show because you can't call him baby yoda in the show but that Uh like leaves it open but then they gave him a name and I mean, I refuse to call him anything other than Baby Yoda. See, I'd never even heard they gave him a proper name. Yeah, they gave him a proper name in like episode five of season two. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that sometimes happens. Like you get that, you know, surprise lightning in a bottle or whatever. You don't know what you've got. Um, or think- you're or you're banking on the uh, uh, the popular uh, character being something else. You know, uh, George Lucas in it and you know, thinking Jar Jar is going to be popular for some reason. Yeah. I would be surprised, though, if they didn't think that Baby Yoda was going to be wildly popular and successful. Maybe they uh, didn't want to bank on it, and uh, that's why they had no real official merchandise, as far as I've heard, is that it surprised them just how popular it was. Yeah. Which part of it might just be because they were treating the show as kind of like a tech demo for how uh, uh, they're filming it. Yeah, I, I think they really didn't think that that the Mandalorian was going to do great overall. Like, you know, I'm sure if you go watch making of and documentary stuff, like you'll get a doctored version where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we were confident in the project and we were surprised by how successful it was. We always thought we had a winner on our hands. 
And like that show, the first season was like, it felt very much like, no, they were given like the equivalent of a shoestring budget for a star Wars movie. Like, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of money, but you know, there's a lot of that show that feels very contained because they didn't have like big fuck you studio money to work with. And it's like, all right, we're going to test this and see how it works. And the internet and Star Wars fandom blew up over that. I think they had no idea just how popular of an idea they had on their hands. Because Star Wars fans are confusing and fickle. But one thing that they, that they slash we all like are good stories that expand the universe. And non-annoying cute characters. <laughs> yeah. And the second season, I, I have some issues with the second season, The Mandalorian. I like it overall, but you can tell it's like, oh, the first season was successful and they got a lot more money because they're do- going to a lot more places. There's a lot more effects and the the story gets a little bit grandiose and away from them a little bit for a while. And then the lady that played Cara Dune had to just be a racist. Of course, right? Yep. Or sexist. Or transphobic. It was, it was one of the really bad... Uh, they, they were terrible. How about that? Yeah, they were terrible. I really liked her character. And she was hot. That, that helps. Anyways, how did we get to talking about The Mandalorian? <laughs> I think this uh, is your fault, and then I ran with it, and it, then yeah. it was my fault. Yeah, I went uh, 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 talking about another uh, uh, franchise that they didn't really... Uh, weren't really prepared for and that's how we got on the Mandalorian. Right. Well, let's talk about somebody else not being prepared for stuff. Uh, Google Stadia's launch troubles detail <laughs> report. Yeah. Th- See, this is a good segue. And now ooh, I ruined it. Th- well, I mean, uh, Jason Trammer, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, uh, are we going to get a, a, a hat trick here? Basically, he has an investigative report about the woes of Stadia. And kind of the takeaway of this is, one, they're paying a lot of money for exclusivity deals that are just not panning out. As in $10 million a pop uh, to Ubisoft, for example, for two games. I mean, paying really any amount of uh, money for a Ubisoft game at this point, but millions, right? Yeah. Also, I mean, why, I mean, why, why didn't actually abuse their employees for years? Carry yeah, on. I, yeah, I mean, why didn't uh, Google just wait a, a little bit and get the games for free like everybody else? <laughs> right. Um, I, I think, I mean, you know, I will probably never know this, but I think the thing is, is that Google thought, as they have done with other projects in the past, that if they throw enough money at a project because they're Google, it'll work out. And that's not how like throwing money at a problem can sometimes work to solve it. If you have the right people in place who just need more resources, but Google, I don't think they, they got in way over their head. I think they thought that because they're Google, they could just throw money at this and it would be fine. It would all work itself out in the end. And so they brought the wrong people on board to run and manage stuff from a very top down level who made bad decisions like paying you know, $20 million to Ubisoft and expecting Comcast to, to unblock Google services when people go over their data caps because, well, we're Google and they want to do what's they, like, they know what's best for their customers. Right. And it's like, you do not know how to read the room apparently. 
I mean, that's just a couple of things. There's the whole, I can't remember if this happened last week or two weeks ago. This might be in one of the articles. I haven't read through all of them in detail, but there was, um, when the Google dev team was fired, um, they didn't know that they were fired until they until found they out. Got, yeah, better. in the news. <laughs> yeah. Right. They had just been told by like the project lead like that they'd been doing a good job and they were going to talk about their new strategy moving forward. And it turns out that strategy was they all had to find new jobs. Yeah. You know, and that's just, that's piss poor management. At best, that's piss poor management. At, at worst, that's m- malicious, like inflicting pain on, on people on purpose. You know, but that's what happens when you just throw money at someone who's not qualified for the job. It doesn't have enough experience and understanding of the of the field that they're going into. Yeah, but uh, well, I'm going to read one of the uh, uh, paragraphs here. Uh, a British uh, video game industry veteran, Harrison. Sorry, I need to go back and get his full name. Uh, but uh, he, he was a prominent face at both PlayStation and Xbox during their worst console launches, uh, the overpriced PlayStation 3 and the badly managed uh, Xbox One. He joined Google in 2018 as a vice president of Stadia. Right? Who who was it? Uh, I, I'm trying to get the full name. Hang on. because uh, Phil Harrison. Phil, uh, Phil Harrison was the guy in charge of the Xbox One launch, I think. Phil Harrison. What was the Xbox One launch? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, badly managed Xbox One. So, yeah, yeah. So and he is the vice president of Stadia. That says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, this is a classic example of failing upwards. Mm-hmm. I I assume it's just because he's like got a big name and a lot of money, and Google was like, "Oh yeah, he worked with video games before. We don't need to do a background check on this guy. He's white. <laughs> That's fine." Uh, yeah, he's white. He's bald. He can hold a controller. He he knows what's up. Yeah, he can point up. See, <laughs> I'm looking at the Bloomberg article. Uh, uh, but it's just uh, the the final paragraph kind of uh, has it uh, in a nutshell is that Google is used to launching their services small and building them up. Uh, but Stadia they've went whole hog and they've tried to promise uh, the moon and the stars and. Uh, the the service is not there, and the business model is abhorrent for uh, this sort for what they're offering because it's uh, if they offered a service like Xbox Game Pass or you know any a la carte system, fine. But it's buy games individually, and then they have an additional service on top of it. If you want 4K gaming, if you want additional discounts, and free games and sarcasm quotes there because you're paying for the service. So, right. Right. And honestly, every time I've heard what games you get, it's like random, you know, three or four year old indie games, maybe a double a game. Uh, I'm just double checking what ones are, are out or what. uh, So destiny Two, the collection grid. Uh, this is a, a bit older, but, uh, Get, Grit, SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld Quest, and the Gilgamesh, or Gilgamech, Serious to Am Collection, Spiritlings, Stack on Stacks on Stacks, whatever that one is. It's just, right? Yeah. And on top of it all, it's difficult to play. 
not uh, just because the internet sucks in the United States as a whole, unless you're in a major uh, metro area, then yeah, it kind of sucks. It's that if they went with a system where it was easy to get into, where you could play on any Android phone, for example, instead of having very specific Pixel phones, if they had it where uh, any uh, Chromecast uh, uh, could uh, use it instead of charging a hundred some bucks for a Chromecast Ultra or whatever it was, plus a controller. I mean, you're eating into your own player base because you're trying to market this to gamers that can't afford a gaming PC or can't afford a console. But then you're expecting them to pay 130 bucks up front to play on on your TV, then buy games uh, a la carte. It's yeah. just, what the hell? Yep. The dog started, started barking, so I, I muted my mic uh, for the, a second. Uh, the dog agreed. <laughs> the dog does agree. It's a terrible business model. If you have a subscription, just let people play the games on the subscription. Not have to buy them also a la carte. It was dumb. I mean, we we have, have called all of that stuff out since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And also, we did not have high hopes for Google Stadia when it launched. Yeah, Some- and, and a lot of their st- features that they promised on launch are still not in play, are they? Uh, I'm not sure. Honestly, I've kind of pushed Google Stadia out of the focus of my brain. Because, I mean, it it's failed. Like, it's been failed. We're only going to find out more and more details about it as it fails and eventually is cut off. Like, I just... Uh, yeah, I'm just sitting. Well, I'm sitting here. Uh, it does. So the Wikipedia article it does show exactly what you need bandwidth wise. So 20 megabits uh, per second for 1080p with HDR video, 60 FPS. That's pretty expensive in the United States. Yeah, that that's actually hard to get a hold of, and that's m- required. That's the bare minimum. So. Let's throw with uh, some jitter and drop packets and, yeah, just, yeah. if anybody else wants to use the connection, you know, add 50%, right? Yeah. Which I think is fair. It's still tough to find in some places. So, okay. Um, so, crowd choice. Crowd choice allows streamers to let viewers decide on in-game actions uh, via poll. That's been released. Uh, Crowdplay. Crowdplay is a built-in feature for Stadia that allows players to jump into a multiplayer game with their favorite streamers and YouTubers, because of course, that's in limited testing right now. State Share. State Share allows players to uh, share a link so that others can experience the game being played at a specific moment, exactly as the players are. That's in beta, as part of one particular game. And uh, Stream Connect allows players to Display the video feed of another player in picture-in-picture mode is released. So uh, two of the main features that they promised a couple years ago are fully released. One is in limited testing, and another one is in beta in one game, right? Yeah. And they expected people to pay how much for this? Too much. I mean, I thought the pricing model on Amazon Luna was, well... Well, it's kind of ironic. It's Luna because they have to be lunatics. It was, I think, it was fifteen bucks a month, uh, plus a subs- uh, an additional subscription for Ubisoft. Because who- <laughs> once again, Ubisoft. Why is it always Ubisoft? <laughs> I know. Fuck Ubisoft. 
Why fuck Ubisoft? If you wait long enough, they'll fuck you for free. That's very true. Even if you don't want it. Especially if you don't want it. Um, okay. Uh, you want to go from talking about one failure to talking about a different one? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, and I think this is a failure. Activision warns a standard 500 gigabyte PS4 may no longer fit Call of Duty Warzone, Black Ops, Cold War, and Modern Warfare. Okay, so these are all modes of the same game or is these different games? I gotta admit, Call of Duty uh, naming uh, conventions confuse me. So they're all different games but i think that is part of warzone if you have like the full pack like they're all included as a part of warzone i don't i don't know i honestly don't know i stopped paying attention to call of duty a long time ago probably after the first black ops game was when i stopped paying attention to call of duty but i mean call of duty warzone is the uh battle royale and then black ops cold war is the most recent call of duty black ops game like in in the black ops like spin-off series of call of duty and then modern warfare is i think the hd remake of call of duty modern warfare are okay. you trying i, I think <laughs> okay. i mean it's just like i said some of the uh naming conventions it's just it's uh, like they outsource their uh uh their title creation to Microsoft. Yeah. So they warned that all three of these combined will no longer possibly fit on a standard PlayStation four, a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Right. Um, this person, Wesley Yin pool from Eurogamer, uh, when he went to get the latest update, had to clear off a hundred gigs of space from his PS4 to be able to install the update, which he has all of the, all of the stuff. And he had to clear off a hundred gigs to be able to install the update. And apparently the update itself, like download wise was only 17 gigs. He doesn't say if it unpacks to a much larger size, but, um, I, mean, I assume I have to at that point, wouldn't it? Yeah. I would assume that it would, because if it makes you clear off a hundred gigs of space, although as on the Xbox one, if you get up to like 90% of the internal hard drive space full and you try to install something, it won't let you, even if the install would be less than what it says your free hard drive space is. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's like an OS thing, like there's like hidden stuff being used and so you don't actually have that much space or or what, but... Or just some sort of safety measure. Yeah, it could be. Because uh, isn't it... Uh or at least used to be on mechanical drives. If you run completely full, it's a lot harder on the drive to uh, randomly access all the files. Yeah. The more full a, a classic mechanical hard drive gets, the slower it, it actually becomes as it's trying to find your data. And then also, yes, the faster it wears out because it is a mechanical spinning device. And so it's having to spend more, essentially more time seeking. So you're, you're wearing out the physical mechanical parts of your hard drive faster, the, the more full that it gets. Whereas opposed to an SSD, the, the flash just has a certain amount of times it can be read to and write from, written from, or damn it, written to and read from before the flash cells basically just die. Mm. So, but I mean, that is a set amount and it doesn't matter what you put on it, how big it is. You could fill it up. No problem. But 
you know, as soon as you've, you know, read and written to it uh, X number of times, then, you know, that's, that's when it dies. But anyways, so yes. Um, and on the uh, PS2, is the PS4 or the PS5 that you can't move stuff to? Uh, the, the PS5, uh, they highlight on this. There's currently no way to move PlayStation 5 games off the SSD, which is right. even worse. Uh, so that's something that they're pl- uh, promising on a later date uh, with uh, uh, with explorations on archiving to USB, uh, according to this article. And uh, I, but, tiny, yeah, that, that's just wow, right? Yeah, tiny tangent. I don't know how that's not a standard feature. That's existed since the days of the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Probably the uh, worried about piracy and you know, uh, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Right. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Idiots. But yeah, I mean, game development or game sizes, particularly for AAA games, has ballooned ridiculously over the last few few years, maybe five to seven years. Um, sort of early offenders of this were like Titanfall, which had uncompressed audio for Wave Falls. Yeah. For you know, multiple all of the multiple languages and and sound effects and music and you know etc. and that made the game something like fifty gigabytes. But I mean, easily you can find games in the AAA space at a hundred plus gigs. Um, and and you and I looked at a few different games and their their download and install sizes uh, Sunday night when we were also talking about this uh, a little bit. And it's it's like it's it's really weird to see a game that's you know sort of less than ten or twelve gigs that operates in the modern like a, a modern title. It's mm-hmm. not like a, a a tiny indie game. Um, yeah, like uh, the one that kind of uh, well didn't shock me, but in a way did was a uh, Crusader Kings five or sorry Crusader Kings three. It was five gigs. Yeah, because right. Uh, I mean, I have uh, the. Game Pass still uh, running in the background. So to give you an idea, um, Wreckfest is 26.8 gigs, which has a lot of music in it. So Forza Horizon is 79.1 gigs. It's more than that if you've got the DLC, which I yeah. do. Um, it's close to 100 gigs. It's like 99, 90, it's either 96.9 or 99.6 uh-huh. gigs for Horizon 4 and all of its DLCs. Yeah, Crusader Kings 3, like I said, is 5. I think Monster Sanctuary was like 2. Yeah, it was pretty pretty small, but once again, uh, usually it's uh, audio that's the big offender in these, especially whenever the the size balloons, because they use a lot of uncompressed audio as kind of a programming trick to make it so that you can push the processor a little bit harder so you don't have to uncompress audio. Yeah. Let's see, Gears Tactics was 30 gigs. Uh, I bet Halo the Master Chief Collection is like a billion. Well, it's also like five games now. 140.61 gigabytes. But yeah, Yeah, you're right, it's like five games. mm -hmm. Um, I think Gears 5 is over 100 gigs or close to it. Let's look. Let's see, Gears 5. Uh, 13 gigabytes. I, I got a winner. I got a winner. Okay. Hypnospace Outlaw. Okay. 1,022.45 megabytes. Oh, megabytes. <laughs> um, 
Gears 4 is 133 gigabytes. Like, that feels insane to me. Like, games, I know that game development is is always moving forward. But, I mean, how, ah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Just do, uh, you know, do some compression. It's okay. Most people don't have these uber insane, ridiculous setups, you know, from graphics capabilities to audio setups. Like, people don't have, on average, you know, multi-thousand dollar gaming rigs. Like, well, yeah, well, you get over to PC well, Master Race and you see those all the time. But the average person doesn't have that. Well, that's the problem is that a lot of this is carryover from the consoles where they don't have to worry about compression that much because they're just you know, installing from a uh, disc and they don't really care about the hard drive space. Yeah. I mean, even like these, these you know, even with, with like my setup, I've got my two terabyte um, mechanical hard drive for, mm-hmm. you know, storage and sort of certain, you know, games. I've got a 250 gig SSD that is like my gaming SSD. And then a 250 gig SSD that's my boot drive that has a few games on it. Um, but like that's, you know, that's sort of the setup that I have cobbled together over the years for my gaming machine. Yeah, like, mine that pushes it. That really pushes it. To yeah, do mine that. is a 500 gig uh, boot drive uh, SSD, a two terabyte uh, essentially data drive, and then a three terabyte uh, essentially mass storage drive. And I feel like I'm, uh, Kind of overcompensating for my draft space now, but in 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 another way, looking at some of these uh, big games, especially when you're looking on Xbox, where you're getting some of the uh, you know, AAA games that I normally wouldn't buy, it's like, okay, well, I would like to use my SSD, but do I really want to commit you know almost a hundred gigs, you know, uh, practically a twenty percent of my drive space to Forza, right? Yeah, I basically only put games on my SSD that would re- that really benefit from them at this point. Like I used to be like, I'm going to put everything on, on my SSD. But now I, the only stuff that kind of goes on my SSDs now are games like Battletech, which really, really benefits because it doesn't do a lot of caching. Um, so, you know, it, it benefits there. Anything that I'm going to mod heavily, um, which I guess technically also includes Battletech, but, you know, I'll, I'll put that on an SSD or something that I want to just sort of respond more quickly. Like when I'm in the mood to, to do something like, I don't know, back when I was playing Skyrim again, I'd put that on my SSD to help with all the loading times between, you know, sections of the level or um, certain games like uh, transport fever, which really benefit from being on an SSD for world generation and assets loading in. Once you get a really, a really large world built, that's about all I put on my SSD anymore because with my system, um, a lot of games do a whole lot of, of caching. So you do have a longer initial load, but I've got 32 gigs of Ram, like lots of stuff just gets put into cache for me while I'm playing games. And I don't really suffer all that much from longer loading times from it, not being on an SSD. Yeah. Right now I'm kind of leaning towards games that I want to respond quickly. Uh, ones that have a lot of loading, like far cry, I put on my SSD and it does seem to really benefit, uh, just initial load time, but also if you use fast travel a lot, it really helps there. It makes me more likely to actually use it. Yeah. Uh, in games that I want to just pop in and play a little bit, like uh, Crusader Kings, I put on, on my SSD and it loads exceptionally quickly because of it. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Most of my games are actually on uh, my data drive with a few that kind of uh, uh, rode the arc of the uh, mass storage drive from the previous computer. And now, uh, and they're going to march out two by two at some point. <laughs> so yeah, games should not be a hundred plus gigabytes because of audio files. If your game is actually that big, fair play, you know, I'll give it to you. No worries. But if you're just not doing a good job optimizing things and doing compression where you can easily do compression, shame on you. Bad developer. Bad. I'm going to put you in the naughty seat. I do wonder uh, if uh, the Windows 10 compression tools would help, though, because there's a built-in compression... Uh, compressor uh, decompressor uh, i'll have to go digging for a little bit more because you know i haven't reinstalled it yet just yet uh, but it, the tool itself it's basically just uh automates a uh system that's in windows 10 default yeah uh that uh runs uh some actually fairly impressive uh compression uh I'm trying to find it now i think it's the ntfs uh compression tool compression that is something to experiment with, for sure. Yeah, I'm happy to go look for it a little bit more, see if this looks familiar. Uh, Windows has a uh, uh, the, NT, uh, the NTFS uh, compression system in it uh, that you could uh, tell it to compress certain folders. And supposedly doesn't really make an impact on performance in general. It may lead to slightly longer load time. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one doesn't give a good example because it's like, you know, uh, splitting megabytes. And I know uh, this is a, a very, you know, enthusiast level of, yeah, we'll just run this one particular uh, system in Windows. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but that's what I was doing for a while whenever I was having, you know, uh, drive space issues. Because, uh, my well, let's put it this way. Uh, my uh, data drive on the old computer. It was one terabyte, but it had legacy ports on it for ribbon cables. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly uh, you know, in the greatest of shape. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to do everything I could to you know, squeeze as much uh, use out of my SSD as possible. Whenever I have drive space issues, typically I just reinstall Windows. Because mm-hmm. then it's like I don't install. I, I I have no idea like what a lot of programs are. And I don't know if I'm using them or if they're being used. So I just reinstall Windows, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. I'll start fresh, and any of the shit that I wasn't using won't get installed. Probably not the most efficient system, but it works. It works. All right. Um. So that's gonna wrap it up for our standard news topics that we picked this week. Um. But we're going to head on over to Community Corner, uh, where that we received a uh, an article from Jim over on Community Corner, uh, which, you know, thank you very much, Jim. Uh, that, that's Jim3535. And the article he sent us was, How I Cut GTA Online Loading Times by 70%. Yeah, speaking of enthusiast-level stuff, I have added a couple more links that tries to explain this a little bit more in plain English because the the link is to the original stuff and it, it gets very technical. Yeah. 
So just in case anyone out there doesn't know, um, perhaps you've never played uh, Grand Theft Auto V, which, good for you, don't start now. Um, (laughs) Abysmal. The single player is bad. The multiplayer is awful. Regularly, it would spend so much time loading when I did play it uh, two or three years ago. That was my old job. Uh, the last time I played this, that was at least that was around three years ago when I when I played it last. I would regularly wonder, like, has the game locked up or crashed, or is it just taking this long to load? Like five plus minute load times easily, and those were like good load times. Um, the biggest issue was actually loading into multiplayer for the first time, um, but then also if you were you were trying to fast travel, it would often take three to five minutes to load at that point it's slow travel yep so uh we got sent this article about how to reduce those load times um yeah it turns out you hack it yeah uh Uh, the the, uh ars technica i think is the more simple of them or the more plain text of them essentially uh it comes from two issues uh, it reads essentially a master manifest of all 63,000 items that's in the game. And every time it does, it makes a check of uh, if there's any duplicates. So check one, is there a duplicate? Well, there's only one item, so no. Check two, okay. Uh, check one and two, is there any duplicates? No. Check three, is this a duplicate of uh, uh, two or one? No. Check four, and so on and so on. To 63,000. I think the original write-up said it's something over a billion different checks just on the duplicates. So there's part of your problem, right? Yeah. Um, That would explain because there's a graph in here that talks about faster hardware being able to load the game faster. And you think to yourself, like, well, yeah, you know, of course. But if you've got a much more powerful processor, it can run through that process a lot faster. And it's a single threaded uh, yep. application, single thread process. I don't, I don't know the quite the right way to say it, but so it's just going off of your single core performance as you're loading into the game. Yeah, um, that's why whenever you hit the one minute mark, CPU uh, use goes through the roof on one core. And just hacking the game and changing uh, the way it does that check uh, because of uh, its uh, uh, parser uh, being utter trash cut load times in half. And to, to, what was the other one? And this is all from the NetShop catalog. So basically, it's only going to get worse as they add more stuff. So your load times that you had a few years ago, guess what? They're even worse now if you started playing. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a particular way it was reading uh, uh, different files as well. That, or sorry, that that was the uh, that the the duplicates that was adding twenty five percent of the load time. Uh, uh, it was just a very poor reading of the uh, uh, of essentially the master manifest for all the viable items uh, that was adding fifty percent because of uh, being a crappy loader, and supposedly. Uh, one developer in a day could fix it. But let's be honest, this is going to be Rockstar, so they'll probably just you know, put the signature of the DLL that he put out 
uh, to because it's technically a, a performance enhancing hack because you're loaded yeah. faster. Yep, it's a mod, and they are extremely anti-mod for their multiplayer stuff. Yeah, and I think this is another case of a game or something that they kind of stumbled onto just how popular it was uh, with uh, GTA Online. Yeah. And, that, and that's why some of the systems are so jank and broken. I think that with how popular it is, you don't have an excuse. Like, Rockstar doesn't have... Fuck them. Fuck Rockstar. They don't have an excuse. If it's if the fix is this... I always just assumed, right, that, that Grand Theft Auto V was built on an old engine that at this point is a decade or more old and it just wasn't well optimized for modern systems. And there was some stuff in there and it's like, well, we can rebuild the entire game in a different engine or we can just keep doing what we're doing. And yeah, it would be nice if they had, you know, from, from, from my perspective, like, yeah, it would have been nice if they had rebuilt it. Sure. But I can understand a business decision to not do that. And just, it's so popular. We, you know, people will just deal with the loading times. I think that's kind of shitty, but that's understandable. But if it's if you know a, a simple fix to get up to seventy percent performance increases, because obviously the performance increase would be more, I would think, for people with sort of mid to low tier hardware. Uh, well, not- I think the percentage would be the same, but it would be a bigger debt result. Right. So you know, if it's just that you put two guys, you know, parsing the code and figuring out what went wrong and fixing it. For for an issue like that, like I totally understand, like you can't squash every single bug that exists. Absolutely, um, but you know this sort of thing, like a, a quick review of the code by someone along the line during Rockstar's mandatory hundred hour work weeks, like <laughs> somebody find that and fix it and make everyone's game experience better. And instead, like absolutely, you're right. They're gonna yeah, flat- but, yeah, but that doesn't yeah, but that doesn't uh, sell any short cards, right? But no, you're right. They're going to flag this, and anybody who does it is going to get banned because they are hacking, cheating, modding the multiplayer game, which technically is correct, but they're being assholes. Or they're going to be assholes. Because it's Rockstar, right? Yep. And they don't know how to do anything else. Uh, well, they know how to make a boring uh, cowboy game. They Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just have to bring it around, don't I? Yeah, I don't, I mean, if, at this point, if, now I'm sure. I would imagine uh, it's probably the same problem with the uh, Red Dead Redemption Online as well. Because haven't people announced the same problems as well there? It's just uh, very long load times. I honestly have I could be, I could be mistaken there. I don't, um, Grand Theft Auto 6 will come out eventually. You know, eventually they'll make a new one. I don't. I don't think I'll buy it. I barely bought into Grand Theft Auto Five. I just. I don't. I think I'm done with them. Like they'd have to make some kind of phenomenal game with a phenomenal business model, and quit being such shitheads for me to to get on board another Grand Theft Auto game. I just can't be bothered. Well, with shit yeah, anymore. I mean, I mean, I didn't even buy into GTA Five, even when they were giving it away. Partly because it was on Epic, but partly I just didn't really care. I, I like. GTA when it had a little bit of silliness about it. Uh, when it was doing Scarface parodies, when it was uh, it was still somewhat grounded in reality, 
but they weren't afraid to, you know, have a silly mission or two or, you know, or do something a little bit wacky. A GTA four, they went grim dark and I liked the main character, but then they had characters that didn't fit the feel that just annoyed the piss out of me. See Roman. And it just kind of, you know, broke the game to me. And if they wanted to do a more serious GTA, fine. Or, you know, dial back the silliness, that's fine. That, you know, it's, you know, they could do it uh, properly. But then they just couldn't quite figure out the deal with it. And I'm not sure who decided, you know, getting called every five goddamn minutes uh, to go to a strip club or to go bowling or, you know, go to uh, some random restaurant. Uh, was a good idea, but fuck them too. <laughs> Although I do have to admit, the one time, and I think it was actually during one of the DLCs, or or no, it was one of the late missions, sorry, uh, where you actually get people to call you during a mission, during a, a, a police uh, chase, as kind of a, you know, you know, you know like, yeah, we know, it. It, 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 this has been annoying here, uh, have a laugh about it was funny, but then they kept doing it. <laughs> right. If they made that an early mission where, you know, you told off Roman uh, for calling you every five goddamn minutes, and he dialed it back, fine. You know, it would have been character growth on Roman's part. But, you know, that would be good, actually good writing. And there's always been a... Tr- uh, you know, GTA has always been a little bit lackluster on their writing, particularly whenever they try to say, okay, well, we need to get a lot of money. And then outside of uh, the cutscene, you have like $50 billion. Right. And a gold-plated jet. It's like, okay, so why do I need to get money again? I have the money in my pocket. (laughs) Shut up, Roman. (laughs) Hey, cousin, you want to go bowling? No, and fuck you. Although I have to admit, Miracle of Sound did do an amazing song for that. Yeah. I mean, Miracle of Sound, I think, only does amazing songs. But I haven't right. actually checked out their stu- his stuff lately. I'm not sure if he's still active. He is. Okay. Um, he, what was his most recent one that he released? Um, I think he went back and was, was making some songs for games that he loved and hasn't. And he remastered some stuff. Oh, he did do a cyberpunk one, so... Probably about the only uh, redeeming thing. Uh, a couple for Final Fantasy VII. Um, I'm like maybe one album behind. I, I buy all of them um, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there you go. If you want to fix your your GTA load times in multiplayer, follow follow the steps. Easy as pie. Actually, it, it's not that difficult. It looks like a lot, but. As someone who's who's put together a couple of mods for games and stuff before, like it's it's not that bad. This yeah, is uh, just uh, it's daunting looking. Yeah, and so, I imagine that there's probably a, a lot simpler of a walkthrough out there. Yeah, uh, assuming that you know it just didn't get banned. Uh, I, I actually should probably check into that. But uh, yeah, um, so. let's see. Well, let's just put it this way: there's uh, I start to look and. How to fix Red Dead Redemption 2 on PC startup issues. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm not seeing anything, but there, there's a... Oh, uh, and also, the social clubs just seems to be a complete mess as well. But that's right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. 
that is uh that's a thing that was given to us by Jim. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, yes, and, you- I was going to say, and if you wish to contribute something like Jim did, you do so over on the Discord. You can find that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. You can email to us over at vglpodcast at gmail.com or just tweet it to us, vglpodcast on said Twitter. Indeed. So I'm falling asleep and my throat hurts. Uh, it sounds like a hell of a night for you. It's, it's like a hell of a night indeed. Um, I mean, I I might could push through a game club, but I also wouldn't mind. Well, why would you want to do game club now? I mean, I, I would just be bitching about Far Cry right now. I'm I'm looking forward to. Or you're right. I said I'm in discovery queue. <laughs> See, I told you I'm falling asleep. I am looking forward to talking about Far Cry though, because uh, I also want to talk about the older, well, the old older Far Cry games. See, I never got to play those, so yeah. Also, here's a thing I just saw on Reddit. Uh-oh. The general chat. Uh-oh. On general chat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, what I posted. Uh, go over to our Discord. <laughs> I like the epic one. Yeah. What should I put in Fortnite next? Or who should I put in Fortnite? <laughs> or CD Projekt. Yeah, who cares if the game isn't finished? You can customize your cock. Well, why are we bringing my chicken into this? <laughs> it's very nice. Very nice. Uh, but social? Yeah. Hey, Rage. Hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter occasionally, gaming with CR, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist, you can find me on the YouTubes by searching for such. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you wish to let them up, so what episode of the podcast you're coming from? The password for this week is hack the system. Nice. Yeah, because you feel like a hacker looking at all that, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I accidentally closed out of that, so... Once again, if you wish to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or tweet them to us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Or you can drop down by the Discord. You can find that over at vglpodcast.podme.com with links to all our stuff. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my tired voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.